0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker and I'm here with my co host, work, and real friend Ainsley Stanley. This season on the podcast, we're chatting with some of our other work friends from across our country who are a part of the Youth Unlimited YFC family. We'll hear their stories, why they do what they do, and how they're furthering God's kingdom in Canada. So make a lasagna, pull out the blades, and go rollerblading do whatever you need to do, and enjoy today's
1: episode. Today on the podcast, we're chatting with Grant Dodson, who is a regional satellite director at SWO YFC and currently is serving in Stratford. This conversation, we chat about adoption, how our stories shape us, and learning who God is through other people's love. It's an amazing conversation. Enjoy. Grant.
0: Here's your official welcome to the Workfriends podcast. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Oh, it's amazing! Thanks so much for inviting me. It's a real honor and a privilege. Well, it's
1: yes. been a long time coming. Yeah, I you feel like one of is, our. I was just like, gonna like a say. master list that we made like probably I'd have to say a year and a half ago at least, more than that maybe. And you've been on it for a long time, so.
2: <laughs> well. Yes. I uh, I'm excited to be a part of it. You're both really awesome and. I have been so blessed and encouraged, as you both know, by your podcast and your ministry with this. And so, yeah, it's it's a little crazy to be getting to do this, but it's a privilege. So thank you very much.
0: Oh, well, thanks so much. The honor's ours. Well, to start off, we are going to ask you some fun facts. So where did you grow up?
2: I think a strong argument could be made that I haven't grown up, um, but oh. I was... <laughs> I was born in Brantford, um, and I lived in Brantford until I was about 10 years old, fun fact, also known as the birthplace of Wayne Gretzky and Alexander Graham Bell, yeah. so go hockey and phones. And then I moved, <laughs> I moved to uh, Walkerton when I was 10 years old. My mom remarried, and, um, and then it was mostly, like I spent my teenage years in Walkerton, Hanover area.
0: Cool. What is one of the best books that you've ever read?
2: Oh wow, best books that I've ever read, other than the Bible, obviously.
0: Yes, yeah. oh, of
2: course. I, it's a, I don't know why I feel mildly embarrassed to say it, but it's like, um, the Seven Hab Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Mm. Um, I read that when uh, about 10 years ago. And it just like, I've reread it probably two or three times since. And it's just one of those books that I keep coming back to. And yeah, it's been helpful for me.
0: Mm, Awesome. If you could have dinner with three people, either dead or alive, who would they be?
2: Wow. (laughs) These are good questions.
0: I googled that one. Oh, we googled that one, but yes, three people.
2: Um, like, Jesus has to be on that list, um, for sure. I would say I would also add to that list my granddad. My granddad was really influential in my life. Like, he was kind of like the main um, father figure growing up, and he's no longer with us. So I would love to be able to have dinner with him. And um, one other person that I can have dinner with, dead or alive. Mm. my wife like it's really cliche mm. and she doesn't listen to this so it's not like I'm just saying that for brownie points but <laughs> yeah that would be true
0: awesome what is one item on your bucket list
2: I really 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 want to go to like the French Polynesia someday so like Tahiti mm. Bora Bora Um, and so yeah I would love to go there someday
0: that's awesome if you weren't working at youth and limited yFC what would you be doing?
2: um I would probably like to steal an item from uh the one and only ben price like i would i think I would be in sales like I just love yeah, I love working with people, and I think that that's something that I would be good at um if I wasn't doing what I'm doing with y f c quite possibly mm-hmm. like i i looked pretty seriously at real estate in the past or like insurance or some sort of sales.
0: Mm, Cool well aside from those fun facts tell us about yourself what makes Grant Grant?
2: Sure so um, yeah my name is Grant Dodson and I live in Stratford beautiful Stratford Ontario and um, I mentioned my wife I have this wonderful lovely wife her name is Krista we're high school sweethearts we Started dating a long, long, long time ago when I was 15 years old. Um, And we dated for seven years and then got married when we were 22. And I've got two amazing kids. Noah is 16 years old and uh, Sage is 13 years old. So I work with Youth Unlimited YFC in southwestern Ontario. And my role is a regional satellite director. So I oversee the work that we do here in Stratford and I get to do some pretty awesome stuff with youth and our staff and then also just get to do some work with um, other satellites as well throughout southwestern Ontario and so that's a little bit more about the one and only Grant William Dodson.
1: The one and only Grant William Dodson. I never knew your real name was William so I'm glad we got that. Yeah that's fact. a fun fact.
2: Fun fact. <laughs>
1: I'm excited to hear this because I I feel as if over the years I've heard like small tidbits and bits and pieces of your story but I've never actually heard details so I'm excited to hear some of the answers to this stuff. So um, first question, how did you come to know Christ?
2: Hmm. Yeah so as I mentioned earlier I uh, was born and raised in Brantford and so It's kind of a long story, um, but I, my dad left the family when I was four years old. And so I was um, born and raised in a home uh, where faith was not really a thing for us. Um, So my mom was a single mom of three kids. So I have two sisters and then crazy grant. And I, as you both know, I can be a handful, but I was a real handful as a kid. And so my mom, like, boy oh boy she had her work cut out for her Um, (laughs) and uh, yeah faith and um, church wasn't really part of our regular upbringing as kids Uh, we did go to church at Christmas and sometimes Easter and I did first communion and some of that stuff but it wasn't like it wasn't really meaningful to me Um, and then when I was in grade nine Uh, I was invited out to a youth group event. And ironically enough, I was invited out by, um, there was a guy who, I was a pretty big bully uh, as a kid and in elementary school. And um, I had gone through some stuff that I didn't really know how to deal with. And so basically like I made myself feel better by making other people feel worse. And so I would bully people. And there was one guy who I bullied just horribly And he invited me to a youth group event, which was kind of weird. Um, But I went because I didn't have a lot of friends or a lot of uh, social life. And it was a roller skating event. And I literally broke my wrist, um, (laughs) which wasn't like, I'm I'm sure you can both imagine, like, I'm not the most coordinated guy to begin with, but put me on roller skates. And uh, yeah, it was entertaining, but I broke my wrist. um, But I kept going back to youth. Um, because mm. A, it was fun and B um, I was loved and accepted there and they, they had this faith thing. So I would go back to like youth group, um, meetings and then, um, this family would come and pick me up and bring me to church and like come to their house after. And so I would continue to go because, um, I felt loved and accepted and I was intrigued by this faith that they had that seemed to be living and real and like relevant. And, um, so I just went and watched, like I, I went to the youth group event, um, and broke my wrist in September. And then over the course of the school year, I just went and watched and asked questions and watched some more and then asked some more questions. And then in May, I went to this youth retreat called Pitch and Praise, um, where, uh, I was given the opportunity to commit my life to Jesus, and I did. And so that was in May of 1995 that mm-hmm. I made that decision and committed my life to Jesus. So, And then it's been a roller coaster ride ever since. And so like I'm the only Christian in my immediate family. Um, and yeah, there was plenty of highs and there was plenty of lows along the way, but Jesus continues to walk with me. Uh, to this day so i'm thankful for that
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. thanks for sharing that because i think sometimes i mean you've worked in ministry for a long time and i think sometimes it can be assumed that you know like in general you know everybody grows up in christian home they i don't know things happen in their life and then they work in ministry and then you know life is great um but that's not the case. (laughs) So thanks for sharing that because I know that a lot of people can relate to that. And hopefully that's an encouragement to people, um, whether they're youth leaders, whether like students listening to this, to, to take those opportunities to really, um, yeah, show God's kindness and grace to people. Um, when you were younger, what did you think your life would look like?
2: Uh, that's a great question. I didn't know, like I really had no idea. Um, I, yeah, like, preteen, like, when I was in Brantford, um, I definitely did not think that my life would have any sort of, like, faith as part of it, just because that was not something that was already part of my life, and it wasn't something I was interested in, quite frankly. Um, but then that changed, as you know, and, uh, when I was 15, I became a Christian, and, um... But even post uh, me meeting Jesus and and starting my journey with him, I still didn't really have a good understanding of what life was going to look like. I had a uh, there was quite a few in my family. There's quite a few people who um, are police officers and in, were in the field of policing, and so that's where I thought I was going to end up. Um, I thought that I would be uh, pursuing uh, policing, and so. Yeah, obviously God had different things in store, and um, I'm thankful for that. But it's interesting, like that age-old saying that if you want to make God laugh, then tell him your plans. And um, so I'm very thankful that the things that I perceived or I thought about my future when I was younger with regards to not having a faith life and um, relationship with Jesus and also just my vocation. I'm, I'm really thankful I was wrong about those and that God had other plans. So Mm.
1: Mm -hmm. me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're pretty thankful. I, uh, I remember the first time I ever found out who you were was because it was my first like regional conference thing. And we went to blue mountain and I was you know interning part-time I had no idea what I was doing I like let alone knew that like hundreds of people worked at YFC like I had no clue so I showed up to this thing and I was like shell shocked because I was like what the heck is going on but I remember Kevin was telling me about you on the way down because you guys ditched the conference to go sledding (laughs) (laughs) and so that's like how I knew of you for a while was oh yeah Grant's that guy that that Kevin likes to go snowmobiling with so fun facts
2: I remember that conference very vividly. That was fantastic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fun. So talking a little bit about your role, because you do, I mean, you've done different things over the years at YFC, and particularly now, like you said, you're a regional director. Um, Fancy, fancy. Uh, But what is one of your most favorite things about your role at YFC? I...
2: I really love this organization that we get to be a part of, and um, it's a joy and it's a privilege. And there's no part of me that thinks YFC is perfect, um, because yeah, we're not. We we strive to do the best that we can. There's a lot of things that I really enjoy about um, my role with YFC, but ultimately, I think I think one of my favorite things about it is that I get to in a couple of different ways I feel like I get to return the favor and I get to, Mm. um, pay it forward in a, in a couple of different ways. And so one way is like the first and foremost, I already talked a little bit about like my childhood and, um, yeah, I struggled. Like I had a, I had a bit of a rough go. And as a result of that, like I made some poor choices and I wasn't, I wasn't a really kind guy. Um, and, Yet in the midst of that, people still saw value and people still um, loved me and believed in me and uh, were willing to put up with all of the nonsense, for lack of a better word, um, <laughs> that was through my behavior and on the outside because they knew what um, God had created and the purpose and plan that he had. And so I feel like from with my role with YFC, I get to work with young people and many of them are in much better condition and make much better choices than I did when I was a kid. But um, I get to have that relationship where I'm able to help them to know and understand their value and their purpose and their like God's plan for their life. And so yeah, I just feel like that was something that I didn't necessarily, in my opinion, I didn't deserve it at the time. Um, And yet people did it anyways. And I'm so like, so thankful for, for the role and influence that those people had in my life because I wouldn't be where I am without it. And so to be able to do that for young people is amazing. And then also, um, part of my role, as I talked about is working with staff. It's not just working with students, but also staff within the organization and volunteers. And so when I first entered into ministry with YFC, um, I was 23 years old and I, I didn't have a lot of confidence and I didn't, I felt a little bit like I was in over my head and like God had like led me to something. And I was like, are you sure this is the right thing? And God affirmed, yes, this is, but I had a number of people um, in my life that um, saw value and invested and uh, supported me and encouraged me along the way. And, um, and so I feel like I get to do that as well as part of my role and I'm really thankful for that. And so, yeah, like the common theme is just being able to like come alongside of people and support them and encourage them um, and help them to, yeah, fulfill their potential and um, understand and, and follow the plan that God has laid out for their life.
0: Hmm. And I would say that you do that well. I remember the first time I met you was when, again, it was at a Southwestern Ontario YC meeting. And again, I was in the same position as Ainsley. 19-year-old Jennifer had no idea what her life was going to look like. And I walk into this room full of like 80 people. I'm like, what? (laughs) <laughs> what am I doing here? And then I'm like kind of sticking beside Ainsley. Kevin is like off somewhere chatting with Grant Dotson. And I just hear you laugh and I'm like, okay, cool. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay. Kind of, I was kind of intimidated of you to be honest because I'm like, you're just so kind. You're, you just like made me feel so welcome. I was like, um, hi, like, I'm, I'm Jen, like, just very nervous, and you're just very warm and welcoming, Um, so, yeah, it's funny to, like, think back, and to hear, again, I've heard bits and pieces of your story, um, but to see the way that God redeems our stories, and for you specifically, in um, yeah, like what the first several years of your life looked like and to see what you're doing now and the fact, like this image of, way back when in her first season, we had Katie McDonald talk about mentoring for her as a young person and how it's impacted her life. And she talks about like those fountains where the water flows into this one pool and then it flows into another pool and, and it continues. And that's the image that comes to mind as I see, as I I'm hearing you share your story a little bit more in depth, that Yeah, like you're doing that. And it just makes me so excited the way that, yeah, like you are living out your calling and the plan that God has for your life by encouraging other people to do the same. So Mm. I'm just pumped up. Thank you so much. I just, Jen's having her sentimental moment here. But yeah, I'm just so thankful because I've been personally encouraged and uh, impacted by what you do. And I know that there's a lot of other people who are able to say the same thing. Um, Mm. So thank you. Um,
2: well, that means a yeah. lot. And I, I appreciate that. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not surprising that you were in that room with 80 people and then you heard my laugh and I was like, <laughs> going in, going into this today, I was like, I have to make sure I do have a kind of a loud laugh. And I think part of, I think you might've been more intimidated by my laugh than my kindness, but Hey, if you say it's the kindness, then
0: they go, with, But no, both... it... yeah, they go hand in hand. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I do. I do appreciate your encouragement and affirmation. That means a lot.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. So how when did you know that you wanted to start working in ministry? Like what what did you were 23? But what did life look like for you then? And kind of what were the steps that led you to where you are now?
2: Sure. Yeah. So as I mentioned, I thought I thought that my future and my career was going to be in policing. Um, I had a number of family members that were in that field, and I thought that it would be interesting and I would be reasonably good at it. And so that was the avenue that I was heading down. And so I went to college for policing, and then it was in the year 2000, I went on a uh, short-term missions trip to southern Africa. And so we went to South Africa and Zambia and Zimbabwe and Botswana. And there was about uh, 50 people on the trip. And it was primarily for, it was a youth missions trip. And I turned 20 there. And so I was kind of like on that bubble of like, okay, I'm no, literally no longer a teenager. So I wasn't one of the team leaders, but I was a small group leader. And so I had a, a small group of five or six individuals that I would um, be meeting with and leading while we were there. And so that was one of the most powerful experiences in my life, and I'll never, ever forget it. And um, there was a number of different things that I experienced while I'm there. And I know you guys both have been to to Africa and been on a, a trip like that and just the value and benefit that comes from it. And um, we would have, uh, every day, we would start the day with just some quiet time alone to spend hearing from God, whether that was just in silence or whether that was through his word or whether it was... Uh, through music, whatever that might look like. And so we would all disperse and just go our own separate way and uh, for about half an hour. And I was I was already feeling while I was there a little bit of like I was being torn because I had felt like maybe this is changing my trajectory. Like maybe maybe this is something that I need to consider for my future is um, is working with young people full time. Um, and not necessarily just as like a volunteer while entering into the field of policing. So, um, I remember one morning. Well, actually, kind of a fun story. It is a fun story. It's funner for me than for the other guy. And but the one the one morning we were off having our quiet time, and uh, and then all of a sudden we just hear this screaming, like this like shrieking, terrible screaming. And to make a long story short. Um, one of our team leaders who was on the trip was off having some quiet time with the Lord and he was sitting on the ground leaning up against a tree and got stung by a scorpion while he was connecting with the Lord. (laughs) 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 And what I learned while I was in Botswana, I learned a lot of things, but one thing I learned is that there's two different kinds of scorpions. There's the kind that I believe there's like a pink tail and a black tail. And one of them is poisonous and like, can actually give you serious, like, like you need to go to a hospital. And then one of them is just really painful and it just burns and stings and all of that for a few hours. And that's the one that he got stung by. And so that's why I kind of, it was an interesting story, but (laughs) so that quiet time was not particularly quiet. Um, But there was another quiet time where we had this, like, there was this big truck um, that we would get driven around in, kind of like about the size of a dump truck only the back of it was flat with benches that we would sit on um, because why not when you're driving around the back countries of Africa and then on the top there was like this like rack where you would put all sorts of um, cargo and suitcases and all that stuff. So I was sitting up there um, just spending time with God and um, I remember it clear as day him just affirming that this was something that he wanted me to do was to enter into youth ministry. Mm. And I had this conversation with him where I just, I felt out of my league and I felt like he had chosen the wrong guy because as, as you mentioned earlier, I think it was Jen, um, talking about like, like I wasn't born and raised in a Christian home and I didn't go to Bible college and I wasn't like kind of your stereotypical like missionary or, or pastor or, ministry person and um god just really affirmed that to me that that that's what he wanted me to do and he used the passage in jeremiah 1 the calling of jeremiah where there's this conversation between god and jeremiah where again god places a call on jeremiah and jeremiah comes up with like all these excuses um like i'm not good enough i'm too young like i don't know what to say like essentially like I'm, I'm in fear. Like, how am I, how am I supposed to do this? And then God responds and says like, no, like I'm, I'm calling you and I'm sending you. And like, I want you to go with the confidence and boldness knowing that like I'm using you and I'm speaking through you. And so Mm. that, that verse was huge in my life. It is huge in my life. Like I go back to it. I'm not necessarily quite as young anymore and I have plenty of gray hair to prove it. Um, but there are plenty of times and I've, I know I've spoken to you guys about this where I I feel like, Oh man, what am I doing? I'm in over my head. Like, and God will regularly bring that passage to me to remind me like Mm. that he's with me. And it's not just me off doing my own thing, but it's he and I on a journey that he is, he's doing all the heavy lifting and I'm just along for the ride, trying to be obedient and, and faithful. So so that was back in 2000. And um, I returned from Africa and made some changes and um, stopped going down the avenue of policing and got a job to pay off student debt and just basically waited. Like I worked in a furniture factory and waited for God because I didn't know what was next. And then a couple of years later, in 2002, uh, YFC was starting up in. Hanover, and um, so I applied and got married that year, and then started raising my support and started full time with YFC on April 1st, 2003, which is like the worst April Fool's joke ever for YFC. <laughs> it
1: just
2: it just keeps going, and so the
1: never-ending mm, joke.
2: <laughs> yeah, the joke's on you, YFC. So. <laughs> So that's my journey. That's how, I, that's how I found myself in this position in ministry and organization of mm. Youth Unlimited YFC. Mm.
0: That's so cool. I know a lot of students that I talk to. And I mean, heck, I still find myself in those seasons where just waiting, like, expecting and knowing that God is going to move but in the ordinary mundane seasons of life and you're just like waking up going to work coming home doing like living your life and yeah like speak to that season of your life how would you um navigate that in the boring mundane moments but then how did you I don't know like how would you encourage students in those seasons right now
2: that's a great question um so for me, um there's a couple things that I think are key um that got me through that that season. Like so one was remembering remembering the calling and like mm. um keeping that like regularly reminding myself of like kind of the end goal of like this is a means to an end. Like this is like this isn't I'm not doing this for the rest of my life. This is like I'm in kind of like a waiting phase and um God has called me to this. And I, again, that passage from Jeremiah one was really like, it was pretty significant for me. So I would just like on the Mm -hmm. days where I was just like exhausted and frustrated and kind of tempted to throw up my hands and say, God, like the ball is in your court and I don't know what's next. Um, that's the passage I would return to. And though that memory of being in Africa, so keeping the the calling and kind of the end goal in mind is important. But then also I think not necessarily waiting for or expecting, like, I didn't want to buy the lie that like, this was just something I was going to do in the meantime. And then ministry would happen in the future. Like Mm -hmm. that, that in that season, it's not like God was going to wait until I entered into full-time vocational ministry to use me, that he was going to use me, in the here and now. And Mm -hmm. so I would be intentional about looking for in my daily life, like looking for ways that I can be loving and serving God and his people, whether it's at the furniture factory or whether it was like, I was a volunteer youth worker at the time. Um, But yeah, it's just, I think far too often people um, are told this lie that it's Mm -hmm. like when you, when you grow up, that's when God will use you. Like after you've, gone through all your schooling and all your training and all of that stuff, then, then God's going to use you. And that's just not, it's just not the case at all. Like, and Mm -hmm. so for me, that was, that was key, um, in those moments was just to, to look for the ways that, um, God would be working in me and through me as I waited for what was next.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. Some good words of wisdom. Yeah. Um, can you talk about kind of that maybe first year of ministry? Because you mentioned you were really feeling like God, like you, I really think you've got the wrong guy. But at the same time, you were so confident knowing that this is where you led and you waited and got into that. Can you talk about kind of what that was like and how you navigated that, like your first year of ministry? Because you would have been the only staff then, right? And so you were kind of, I think about that and I'm like, oh my goodness, I might die. But. Um, <laughs> But yeah, can you just talk about what that that first like initial season of ministry was like for you?
2: Well, I know you wouldn't die because <laughs> Ainsley, awesome Ainsley, is awesome, and so um, a, you're awesome, and b, I know that you you love and trust Jesus, and that's what I hate mm-hmm. to over spiritualize or simplify things or be too idealistic, but that's that's definitely what got me through it, and it definitely was. It was tricky. Like it was, I was the only staff in Hanover, and um, there was less staff in SWO at the time, and so there was definitely some like I had to be intentional about connecting with other people. So, like Frank Braun was my supervisor at the time, and Frank was just he was amazing, and um, yeah, there was other people within the organization, like the one and only Kevin Nethercott, and. Uh, Steve Deller and like different people that were really helpful. Um, Mm. And yeah, it it definitely felt there was, I would be lying if I said there wasn't times when um, like I would be going to speak at churches and I just like, I would go in feeling pretty overwhelmed and over my head. And um, I still remember, I don't remember exactly who I heard it from, but Years and years and years ago when I was first starting into ministry, I'm a sports fan. Like I like sports and uh, one of the sports I like is baseball. And um, I think far too often there's, there was a quote, I want to say it might've been Rick Warren, um, but basically the idea is that like, God doesn't need you to get up and to hit a home run. And so just relieve yourself of that pressure that you need to get up there and just like hit a home run what he needs for you to do is just get up and just get on base and like, trust him to do the rest. And so that was like, obviously I want to put my best foot forward and I want to strive for, for excellence. Um, but just to, to give myself that grace of knowing like this isn't on me, this is on God and and God is with me. And so um, just the value of knowing that. And then I would say that coupled with the value of community and people in my life to encourage and support me, um, on those days when I'm feeling like on my own or in over my head.
1: Well, thank you for that. Um, yeah, I think you have a cool story that is, um, I think probably a lot more relatable to most people, whether they're in like vocational ministry or just serving and feeling like, I can't think like, I've ever met a volunteer that has not in some capacity felt like I'm not able to do this, but just like leaning into that and like, you know, the same thing of like, we're kind of all in the same boat that none of us in our own means can do this. And yet God uses imperfect people. And I think that's wonderful. So thank you for that. Um, we're going to move a little bit. I'm really excited to hear a little bit about this question. So, we know that adoption is something that you and your wife did. And, as somebody who had an adopted sibling in my family, and uh, particularly when I worked at camp, worked with a lot of students who were um, either had been or were in the foster care system, uh, I, there's just something about it that pulls up my heartstrings a little bit. Um, so, I just love mm-hmm. that that is your story. So, can you just talk about the adoption journey, maybe some of the joys and challenges of that?
2: Yeah, I would love to. I love talking about adoption. Um, so when my lovely wife and I got married back in 2002, um, I still remember being in pre-marriage counseling and um, the pastor who was marrying us uh, asked about any potential like plans as far as the future and children. And, and both my wife and I were very strongly united that we will not be having children. Um, that we just didn't see that as part of our future. wasn't something that was, we were interested in and, uh, circling back to what I shared earlier, like, if you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans. And, um, mm-hmm. he had other plans for us. And so, um, we got married in 2002 and then we lived in Hanover for a few years Then we moved to Stratford in 2006. And it was shortly after moving to Stratford that um, my wife said that she wanted to talk to me about something. And basically like hypothetically, one of these, like hypothetically, how would you feel about adopting? Um, And it was interesting because at the same time I was, I was also starting to with my work with YFC. um, There are a number of young people that I've worked with that, are in different circumstances, um, including like either the foster care system or kids that have been adopted or what have you. And so I was also kind of feeling this, this leading. And so to have her bring it up was really confirming to me. And, uh, I remember as a teenager, I, <laughs> I used to have this like kind of soapbox rant that I would go on every so often about adoption and the value of it and why it makes so much sense. And, um, I was young and idealistic and had it all figured out and had all the answers, um, which is horrible, but it's always been, I only share that to say, it's always been something that I've been passionate about. Um, I didn't think I was going to do it. And then, uh, in 2006, my wife and I started having these conversations and, um, You could say that one thing led to another. Uh, We sought the will of God. We really asked for his wisdom and direction, and we felt him leading us to adopt internationally. And so uh, in 2008, we adopted uh, our son, Noah, from Ethiopia. And uh, so that was an interesting process. That was very, it was difficult. It was a roller coaster. Um, Yeah, we went to Ethiopia in June. Of 2006, and we got to uh, meet our son, and he joined our family, and that was just an amazing, amazing process. It wasn't an easy one; um, it was not a painless one, um, but it was just amazing. Like, and so culturally, like, so Noah um, had kind of, kind of had your somewhat. Stereotypical African um, childhood before he joined our home, and so he he him joining our family was uh, it was a journey, and so when when we adopted him, he, he knew he spoke Amharic, which is the language in Ethiopia, um, to the level that a three-year-old would, uh, and then he knew mummy, daddy, and toilet. Those were the three English words that he knew, and and he had never experienced, like, he, like, your stereotypical African child, like, mud hut, like, the, that sort of stuff. That was his, those were his first few years of life. And so, I still remember very clear as day, like, going to the airport, for the like, to fly home. And he had, he had barely seen a building, like, an airport before. Never mind. Like, I remember riding on the escalator with him the first time. And it was just, like, 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 um... And, like, flying and all of that. And so, so yeah, we adopted Noah in uh, 2008. He was three years old. And then um, he got settled in, and children are amazing. And people say it a lot, but it's true, like, that kids are just like sponges. And it was interesting to watch Noah uh, learn English. And, like, so we we adopted him in June, and by December, um, he was, like, fully, like he was just as fluent in English as any other kid his age. Um, And um, it wasn't without bumps in the road, Um, but yeah, he attached well and um, joined the family well. And so that was great. And then a couple years later, we felt um, God leading us to adopt our second child. We also thought it was internationally again. So we started the process to adopt from South Africa uh, for our daughter, and we waited, and we waited, and there was the World Cup that was happening, and so like everything got put on hold, and that was very difficult. And then we just kept waiting, and um, to make a long story short, we eventually we ended up. I have a good friend who works at the Children's Aid Society uh, here in Stratford. Ironically enough, it's that same friend who I bullied really badly in elementary school and who originally invited me out to youth group for the first time like he's now one of my best friends in the entire world and he lives in Stratford and he works at the Children's Aid Society and and we would often talk about adoption and um, we put a call into the Children's Aid Society a few different times and they wouldn't return our calls and anyways to make a long story short we we did get a call back from the Children's Aid Society and our call was going to the wrong department and then we were able to go to something that's called the Adoption Resource Exchange in Toronto, where um, potentially adoptive parents are able to get connected with the workers for kids who are in the system. And so we did that and um, we got connected with the worker for our daughter, Sage. And so we adopted Sage from here in Ontario. And so that was a very different experience than what we experienced with NOAA. And so Sage was. Four years old. She was one year older. Um, obviously, she knew English uh, and she had experience. Like she was very comfortable and understood the, the culture and what life in Canada looked like, but she had experienced different things in her first few years of life than Noah had. Uh, and so, yeah, so that was um, nine years ago that we adopted Sage. And yeah, so I just. I'm a huge fan of adoption, and I'm uh, like a huge believer that we need um, yeah as many Jesus loving people uh, to be foster parents and adoptive parents as we possibly can. And yeah, I've always been very passionate about adoption. Like going back to my teenage years, I didn't necessarily know whether or not I would actually have the opportunity uh, to adopt. Um, but I'm thankful to God that I did, and it was pretty cool the way that He orchestrated it all um, with my wife and I both simultaneously feeling uh, the call um, to do that for our family. And um, yeah, it's been amazing. It's been um, it's it's been one of the most rewarding experiences of my life because I have these two incredible kids um, that I love more than anything and, um, are just like the greatest gift. Uh, and at the same time, just being honest and vulnerable, like it's been, it hasn't been free of challenges. And yet, um, if I had a time machine and can go back in time, I would do it all over again, a thousand times. And, um, it's just been so life-giving and, um, yeah, I just feel like the impact and significance of Noah and Sage in my life and our family and, uh, yeah, in our world is, it's incredible. And so it's been a roller coaster and there's been a couple times when it was scary. And most of the time it was like really fun and I'm so thankful to get to be on it. And, uh, God continues to walk with us, uh, every step of the way. So that's pretty awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so fun. I think it's neat to see how obviously God has oriented your life for vocational ministry, but also the way that he's kind of led you in his path personally and parenting. And yeah, I just, I think that's cool. Um, yeah. And going on with that about how different things have sort of, um, been shaping for you and formational for you in your life, um, This adoption probably was part of this from what we've gathered, but what experiences have taught you the most about God?
2: So I think there's a couple of things in particular that come to mind um, for that question. And the first of which was just the way that people saw value in me and the way that people saw beyond. Earlier, I shared about some of um, the hurt that I had in my life and the decisions that I made and the way that I tried to make myself feel better by making other people feel worse. And in spite of that, in spite of poor decisions, and poor attitude, and, and some of the stuff that I was exhibiting as a result of that, um, there was still people who saw value in my life and saw beyond that, and were willing to invest uh, relationally and otherwise in me. And um, so that just For me, that is very encouraging and affirming to me, uh, A, the love that these people have for me and the value that they saw in me. But B, far greater than that, that if these people uh, can see the value uh, in me and see beyond the rough outer shell, how much more God does. And Mm -hmm. God looks like far beyond that. And I'm so thankful that he does, that God looks beyond my mistakes and my shortcomings and um, the mistakes that I've made in my past as a kid and the mistakes I continue to make. And he sees our heart and he sees uh, the potential that he's created within us. And so that has been huge for me, just experiencing that in my own life, uh, that grace uh, and people seeing the value and potential. And kind of piggybacking on that um, is forgiveness. And so as a young person, going through my um, childhood and early teenage years, I, I made a lot of mistakes, and I hurt a lot of people. And yet, at the same time, I was forgiven very graciously and generously. And I think of, like, one of the people in my life that I bullied the most in elementary school and I was the meanest to is the same person who bought me my first Bible and uh, invited me to youth group and whose family would come and um, pick me up and bring me to church and to youth group and, and just loved me so generously. And um, so I know that that forgiveness was incredible. And it it changed my life. And I know that that forgiveness came from a position that they were forgiving because they were forgiven. And um, so just that grace, the grace of God that I got to see through his people, uh, the forgiveness that they showed, the grace that they showed, the love that they showed, um, that changed my life totally and forever. And um, so that that certainly has been a huge testament and impact in my life. And especially as I think back to like 14 year old Grant, when I was in the process of like trying to figure out who this Jesus guy was, that Mm -hmm. was, that was huge. Absolutely huge for me.
1: Hmm. I think it's so neat to see how, like, knowing what you do and how you do youth work, and now even a lot of your work is investing in youth workers too. Um, but I just think, like, wow, like, God was shaping you through all these experiences and and put you in a really cool place where through some more difficult experiences. But, wow, I just think, like, wow, Grant is the man for the job. Like, that, I just think it's so neat to see how your story impacts what you do. I'm just... Oh, re-reminded again. So that's so neat. Um, we love this conversation and I'm excited for this question, which is one that as a podcast listener, maybe you've thought about once or twice. And that is what is the best piece of advice you have been given?
2: Yes, I have thought about it many times as I've listened to your wonderful podcast and I have thought to myself, how would you answer that? And I have received, I've been very blessed to receive all sorts of great advice over the course of my life. And I'm thankful for the people that God has placed in my life to speak wisdom and truth. And I'm also a sucker for like sayings and like quotes and like little things. Like if you ask my kids, there would be a whole bunch of things that I just like will regularly say. (laughs) Um, Like if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail or... Um, those that matter don't mind, and those that mind don't matter. One of my pastors years ago told me that he said, "Don't should yourself uh, when thinking about things that maybe we we should do, or different expectations that people have on us." And that that has been impactful. Um, Scott Murray, one of your guests from, I don't know how many episodes ago, he he taught me. Uh, the saying, none of us are as strong as all of us. And mm-hmm. that that hit home for me. And I think ultimately, the one that I'll go with is very similar to that. And it's just teamwork makes the dream work. And honestly, I probably, I probably say that um, multiple times a week. Mm-hmm. And it may very well be annoying to my family <laughs> or to people that uh, interact with me. But I genuinely believe it in my heart of hearts that... That God has created us not to be solo, not to be lone rangers, uh, but to be in community, uh, growing, serving, loving uh, in community and that um, we're stronger together. And so, yeah, I think it would be teamwork makes the dream work because it's just the people in my life have been short of the grace of God and the forgiveness of of God and what Jesus did on the cross. People are the greatest gift in my life Hmm. easily hands down. And I would not be who I am and where I am today without people. And so that's it.
1: Hmm. Wow. So good. Now we have some of our best piece of advice that you've now given us. So, uh, thank you for that. Thank you for being here. It is a joy to serve. You're one of the first YFC staff that I met outside of Listowel. Um, and I just am very thankful for the way you invest in people and even just how much you love people. And, you know, you've never been in a position where you have had to invest or speak into my life or ask about my life, but you always do. And that has been a huge encouragement to me. Um, you know, even thinking back to conversations on the bus to Florida years ago where I was having to make a lot of decisions and didn't know and, um... You just shared about your life and listened, and I'm very thankful for that. So, thank you for who you are, and thank you for being here.
2: Well, that uh, that means a lot, and I, I I don't know why I'm here. Like I feel well out of my league. Uh, all sorts of imposter syndrome coming onto the work friends podcast, but uh, yeah, you guys, I'm I'm really thankful for for each of you and. I know that there's been a couple times I've reached out to you over the course of COVID where God has certainly used you and your ministry um, through work friends in my life and the lives of many others. So yeah, I'll just, I'll send it right back to you. And it's an honor and pleasure to get to serve alongside of you.
1: Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We have more amazing conversations like this coming up that you will not want to miss. So make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're using. And you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Just work Friends if you so desire. And if you're enjoying, feel free to give us a review so we know what you guys are enjoying. So until next time, see you later. Bye. <laughs> Every time I mix it up, Jen just gets a little goofy. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye-bye.